Welcome to the uh, the Interzeta film with uh, your co-host me, Rajiv. I'm a, a filmmaker here in Wellington, New Zealand, and and uh, your other co-host, uh, Andy James. I'm a writer currently based in the Cayman Islands. The tax haven of the Cayman Islands. <laughs> Uh, yes, indeed. Um, today we're going to be talking about Jane Campion and uh, her two films, Angel at My Table and The Piano. Well, let's go. This is the N to Z of film with Andy and Rajiv. Just before we begin, uh, I'd like to have a big shout-out to two people, uh, Jeremy Veal, who's been doing all our post-production audio stuff and created the awesome music track at the start there. He also recorded uh, Paul Brennan, who you can hear as a radio host here in New Zealand on Radio National doing uh, various shows. I think he's doing um, afternoons at the moment. Uh, and he does his silky, amazing voiceover. So thanks both to those two guys. Yes, yes, thank you, Paul, for um, giving us that silky intro. Do you, want to, do you want to explain what, what, what we're doing and why we're doing it today? Yes. Yeah, so, so the reason we're doing um, An Angel at My Table and the Piano for Jane Campion, um, it's an interesting one because Jane Campion is sort of possibly on the edge of what you could consider a New Zealand filmmaker. She's done a lot in Australia. Uh, the piano, um, as we discussed just before we started recording, is there's a lot of Australian money behind it, even though it's set in New Zealand and it's got quite a, quite a lot of New Zealand cast and crew. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is her films post the piano were Portrait of a Lady and Holy Smoke and I cannot get a hold of those films legally in the Cayman Islands in fact I don't think you can get a hold of uh, too much legally in the Cayman Islands <laughs> no well I mean just uh, <laughs> on any sort of streaming service on iTunes Amazon Video, Google Play those two films are just simply not available. And in terms of video rental stores, um, there's not much I've been managed to, I've managed to find so far that is uh, strictly legal. Yeah, no, you, don't, you don't have the amazing Aro video like we do in Wellington. You've got, a, you've got an Indian dude, uh, someone from my own race of people, uh, with a bunch of pirated DVDs in a small store somewhere out there at the Caymans. Yeah, pay him five bucks and he'll earn your desk. <laughs> That's great. Oh yeah. So, um, so. So and um, and well, the, the piano is also um, it's got Harvey Keitel in it, and also uh, big Hollywood star Holly Hunter and uh, Sam Neill, and yeah. now big Hollywood star Anna Paquin, um, That's right. and won a bunch of Oscars and stuff. So it's kind of internationalish, Hollywoodish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, an angel at my table had New Zealand Film Commission funding and TBNZ and uh, and actually an angel at my table actually had uh, Australian Broadcasting Corporation uh, funding behind it as well even though that's a New Zealand film. Um, although most New Zealand films have some form of international funding because we're a very small yeah. market, so we need that. Uh, and The Piano uh, is not New Zealand uh, behind the scenes anyway, really in any way. It's the Australian Film Commission and the New South Wales Film and Television Office. Uh, you know, but you know, you'd be hard-pressed to say this is not really a New Zealand film. But You can sort of get into a very interesting discussion of what is a New Zealand film. Yeah, what's a New Zealand film? It was it was set yeah. here, filmed here. All the all the actors in the background are New Zealanders. I mean, uh, the leads are not necessarily New Zealanders, but they're not Australians. I mean, what, Holly Hunter's from America, Harvey Keitel's from America. You know. It's... Anyway, should, should we get into talking about um, an angel at my table? Yeah, yeah. Let's start off with um, an angel at my table, which was um, a very long film, but broken up into what <laughs> its original miniseries. It wouldn't have been. 
quite yeah, so long, like, I guess. Yeah. One hour of television broadcast time, so like 40, 40 45 minutes uh, yes. per episode. So it's, it's in three parts. It's An Angel by Table, for those who don't know, is the biographical story of uh, New Zealand uh, author Janet Frame. It's told in three parts based on three of her autobiographical novels, uh, To the Island, uh, An Angel at My Table, and then the third part is An Envoy from Mirror City. Uh, not not my favourite of films, to be honest. I was a little bit disappointed we're going to have to watch this movie in the end. Rewatching it, um, I found things a lot more things to enjoy. I think the first time I watched it might have been a film school, high school, I'm not too sure, and I found it very annoying and boring. <laughs> Sorry, Jane Campion. I, I've, I've recently seen Top of the Lake, Jane Campion. Jane Campion's a great filmmaker. I mean, I, I, love, I love Top of the Lake. I think it's amazing. But An Angel at My Table is not my cup of tea, necessarily. Uh, I found you don't want to have an angel ground for tea. <laughs> That's right. I found I found it very um, episodic. I mean, J- J- Janet Frame is a, an interesting character um, to begin with. Like she, you know, she was a famed pub, famed uh, author in his own. And in the story, you find that like she had a book of short stories published while she was uh, stuck in a mental institute, uh, being treated with electroshock therapy, which is I find the most engaging and horrifying element of the film uh it's 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 really quite scary to to think about how we used to treat and possibly still treat some um yeah i mean those those scenes are sort of necessary harrowing with kind of people just wandering around um and i think and the the way that electroshock was depicted as being administered so just yeah lie down clamp it on where you go (laughs) yeah um but i mean electroshock has actually had uh, there's some research I believe that it it, does, it can do well. Yeah, no, no, for sure. It's not that, necessarily that, sort of a, a cure no. all or anything. No, that's or, why that's why I'm saying it's still it's still being practiced today. I, I, I'm not like I'm no medical expert, so I can't judge. I can't be sitting there going, oh, "It's so horrible," because yeah, I've, I've read I've done some research too. That's like yeah, it works in some cases. It just seemed like the way they were so matter of fact about it, and in, in those scenes, they seemed so uncaring about their patients. That yeah, was what it's it's, <laughs> it's that kind of whole. Um, the, the 50s or whatever, it was very much um, that sort of patriarchal kind of way of doing things as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but going back to what you said about it being episodic, that's, oh God, it so is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just at times really had no idea what was going on. And maybe no. that's just me being dumb, but I was just like, what the hell is this? Well, <laughs> what I mean, is this scene? <laughs> Un- unconnected who, to the previous scene. Who's this guy? Who are these people? <laughs> What's going on? They have, they have family. Right, we've just had a sudden jump in time and not been reintroduced to these characters or anything. Yeah, okay, and, right, and maybe catch up. Ma- maybe Jane Capian um, lovers are just smarter than I am. Maybe they just get things better than I well, do. I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on half this film. <laughs> no, I mean, I, and I don't know anything about Jenna Frame. I don't know read. I didn't know anything about her life or not read any of her uh, works. So I don't know if. If you had know, if you'd known more about Janet Frame, or if you had read some of her stuff, you might get more out of it. But it just seemed I, to it fell into that kind of sort of such that common autobiography film where it's sort of hitting almost the high notes of a person's life. This happened to them, and then this also happened to them, and they had this happen to them as well. Yeah, you you say highlights. I mean, like. Uh... When she becomes older and then she ends up in the – she goes to university and her professor sort of commits her to this mental institution, that Oof. sort of stuff seemed more interesting to me. It was like, you know, the high points of her childhood seemed superfluous. I was just watching it going, what is, why is this important? Why is this in the story? 
What's well, this I mean, about? Yeah, so her <laughs> older sister dies, drowns. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the, then, tra- the, the tragedy is, is evident. There's huge amounts of tragedy in your life. <laughs> yeah, which happens, but seems to, I don't know, like, um, I, I'm still processing the film, uh, the film I think, but um, it feels like they there's no effect on Janet Prane. Well, I mean, I think she's on that she's on that autism, whatever it is. She's got some disorder spectrum, so she's affected. I mean, she's very introverted. It, well, it's they say, yeah, but I mean, not there's not necessarily the the deaths of her both of her sisters, two sisters drown um, yeah. years yeah. apart. But there's no sort of mention of that or seem or seeming effect on Janet Frame but, in the I confines mean, of the film until. Um, she's in Paris. Right. And there's a small kind of acknowledgement of it. I don't know, maybe it's that, yes, it's it's affecting her more um, underneath emotionally, but then she's, even before they um, pass away, she's sort of already been shown to be a bit of a, bit of a bit of an oddity within the society and an introvert and all that sort of thing. So I just didn't, like it didn't, feel like it had any sort of emotional impact yeah it's it's uh i don't know i it, when when those when those two drownings happen i mean it shows her uh what is it the, what's the word she, it shows her sort of uh, distancing herself from her family she goes off and cries in her room or whatever um i guess they're not big outpourings of emotion because it's probably not her thing she's very i mean she was diagnosed wrongly with schizophrenia so she's obviously got some sort of uh, issues going on that other people don't quite understand. I think in today's world, we'd probably just describe it as a, a form of depression. I'd imagine. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Cause no she never idea. seen, she never, she never seen that crazy to me. Everyone was like, you know, committing it. Like, she seems <laughs> all right. <I'm> like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but at the same time, she is that um, introverted, slightly uh, strange person who is no good at parties. And it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's kind of what it's like being a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, then you, well, you belong in an institution, obviously. That's, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. If you were in the 1940s, you'd be locked away forever. Or 1950s. Um, I did. I did think um, Kerry Fox was amazing in the film. I thought, oh yeah, I mean, great, great, great performance. Actually, I think by all of the Janet slash Jeans. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having to act yeah. with that crazy wig on, I imagine if I was in the class, I'd be <laughs> cracking up all the freaking time. For those who Such don't know, a... red, red, um, um, Janet Frame has a giant curly red afro essentially yep. throughout the entire movie, <laughs> um, which, very, which apparently very... she can't tame. I was just like, surely you could just get cut, but whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a very distinctive look, <laughs> yeah. um, which is very cool. But I, I just um, I found myself frustrated quite a lot uh, with it, um, sort of just a little bit within the, the book with, with the film itself and the sort of episodic feel yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and sort of things feeling a little bit disconnected sort of like this happened and then this happened and then this happened rather than this happened which caused this to happen yeah was... and I, I did wonder because I because I felt like I felt that watching it going oh shit, maybe I'm just not getting it and I thought maybe it was Jane Campion an, an intentional telling of the way that Janet experiences her life Janet Frame like mm. she didn't quite have connections between events i don't know um that may be the case but it failed completely for me i I just was like i don't know what's going on yeah and then um it was frustrating sort of um because it was 
like an Irish flatmate or something or roommate or whatever of hers. Oh, in, in, in England. In England, yeah. uh, who was just telling her to not be a writer and everything, which I found frustrating for a completely different reason, just because I hate those characters. <laughs> You mean like everyone in our lives who tell us that we're yeah. doing creative things is a ridiculous yeah. waste of time that won't make any money? Exactly. You mean sense? You mean sensible people? Yeah, people, people who just want you to to just be quote unquote normal. Um, yeah, because they have your best interests at in heart. Because they know that what we want to do in life is a horrible idea. It will leave us broken, penniless. But anyway, yeah. enough about us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and, I don't know. And just the, the character of Janet Franklin in the in the film seemed very passive. Uh, quite a lot of the time, which um, I can get, but it's just uh, made it quite difficult. Sort of yeah, well, this, is, this is this is the crux of the story. I'm, I mean, I guess I guess I don't watch enough art house stuff, so I'm I'm quite I'm quite um, steeped in uh, in three act structure, typical um, fear genre films. Obviously, are, are a big thing for me. It's not like I don't have I don't watch art house films. I guess, but they're not my my, my favorite thing in the world. And I guess this is an issue because, you know, I'm looking for a structure where a character is getting reversals and, and trying to achieve a goal. And you just can't have that in this because this is a it's a it's a biographical telling of a, a woman's life. You yeah, know, so and that's, that's actually probably where I'm, I'm struggling with it as well. I mean, not only, yeah, like yourself, I, you know, into the into the genre fair and I like stuff that's kind of crazy and out there. But I have also enjoyed quite a lot of art hustle. I really like um, Jane Campion's other film about a poet, Bright Star. Yeah, Bright, um, Bright Star was also yeah. But that, I like that better, but it's like, that's not I, my favorite. I, I, but I do I like it better. Yeah. yeah, I love I love that film, but I think it's yeah. So I have so <laughs> basically the last two and a half three years, I've been on small islands with <laughs> uh, with one cinema, and the cinema only plays the big Hollywood style films. So I haven't really been watching a lot of. <laughs> Um, independent or art house sort of stuff, so I kind of almost feel like that kind of part of my movie watching brain um, has atrophied a bit. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, and I, I probably understand that. That that makes sense. Um, but, but 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 it's not like. But surely that would make you want to watch them more. <laughs> Absolutely, I've been hunting around for uh, something a little bit a little bit different, but it's nothing's quite clicked for me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So if you if you live on an island, so we're getting off topic here, but if you live on an island, then your your typical fear, unless you have a really good video store, which I imagine a lot of Pacific and, and uh, Caribbean islands don't have, uh, you're just you're just genre blockbuster guy. That's 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 pretty deal, pretty, right? pretty much. It's it's yeah, it's the big Hollywood stuff. It's action action films, uh, certainly because well, they like travel, no sort of yeah, yeah. sort of made of the language. Doesn't matter what the language is, the explosions are cool, yeah, um, yeah. and that sort of thing. But um, and I think also because it was a mini series, maybe if it was if I'd watched it in three different blocks, maybe um, I, I was thinking about this myself. I just think I'd be even more lost because I'm like, you know, watching that first one, which is just about a childhood. I'm like, what does the context of any of this mean? You know, it sort of, it sort of, it sort of adds to it when you get when she becomes an adult and the sort of ramifications of the tragedies in her life sort of come across. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I think I think me and you are both wrong in our opinion, <laughs> even though we just subjective <laughs> opinions, because it was highly awarded at the New Zealand Film Awards and uh, like heaps of awards at the 1990 Venice Film Festival. You know, as a as a feature film in theaters. So, you know, that sort of launched her career. People people took notice because of this film. I mean, it's it, it's well made. 
I mean, it's not my cup of tea, but it's well made. It's be- it's a beautifully filmed by Stuart Dyberg, um, who would also film the piano, and uh, the performances are obviously what what carries the movie the most. Yeah, I don't know, and I just it's also sort of <sighs> maybe falls into that um, things in New Zealand in sort of the first half of the 20th century were difficult and a little bit colourless and. I don't know, there's just something there that I'm not quite grasping onto. I'm not connecting. I thought it was colourless. I mean, I thought thought it was really pretty. I thought that Stuart Dreiberg filmed sunsets and whatnot in beautiful ways. Um, There was one one scene which I enjoyed the most out of the entire movie, and that's at the end where she's come back to bury her father, burn his things, and then there's two reporters coming from the Dunedin Chronicle or whatever it is, and uh, they're climbing up the steep... (laughs) <laughs> Steve Beckman, like that's been eaten away by sheep. It's like a farm. They live in the sort of rural farm, and it's quite amusing because they're sort of clambering up, trying to get up this hill. And uh, my wife walked in at that moment while I was watching it, and she laughed heartily at that scene, yeah. which is good. I mean, it, it does have quirky moments like that in it. Just... Yeah, I just I don't know. It didn't um, connect to me onto uh, really any level, I guess. <laughs> And, well, I mean, it's, so, you know, ringing endorsement of the JK. Yeah. <laughs> uh. um, but I just, oh, no, not, no, it just doesn't quite work for me. No. Um, should we, yeah. should we move on to the piano? Yeah, I don't, I just, I don't know how much more, um, like I said, I'm still kind of processing it a little bit, um, but it is an interesting kind of, so you've got this uh, female creative who is um seems to be stymied a lot um right yeah by the people around it you know oh you should be a teacher or you should go work for the i guess the biscuit factory or whatever (laughs) writing's a holiday sort of thing and yeah um, i think i think a lot of that also comes from the fact that um in New Zealand, like being an author, would would have been a pretty weird idea in the time she was being an author, right? Like there were there were authors around, but it was still like, I don't know. Like I, I can't imagine that many people in New Zealand being like, I'm going to be a writer, especially in the 1940s and 50s. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like you uh, um, you look at her dad's reaction to the um, the old writer guy that she was working <laughs> yeah, with, Frank Sargeson, another yeah. famous New Zealand author. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he sort of turns up. She, she's she's got some sort of a grant to go study or travel overseas to broaden her horizons for writing. Frank, yeah. Corbin, I swear. And her dad comes along to pick her up to take her to the ferry, the her, boat. Yeah, her dad and, uh, in a lovely three-piece suit. Yeah, and Frank Sargent walks out, who Janet's been living with at this point because he's like an author that she can get inspiration from. And he oh, comes out in like a towel. And he... Shirtless. <laughs> and he's carrying a bottle of wine in the glass. Bottle of wine, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was, that was a good scene too. Also quite amusing. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, and I, uh, I sort of like I quite enjoyed um, actually a, like a bunch of the stuff in the, in the first part. Um, it's her sort of growing up, but it, yeah, it just kind of felt a little bit disjointed I, and disconnected. I, yeah, I didn't enjoy it necessarily, but I did. I did um, like watching. T- they, they created that nineteen forties, late forties world, right? That, that was interesting to me. I was like, oh, that's interesting the way that New Zealand was back in the day. It seems so different now. Yeah, it's mm. crap. Um, yeah, but then so the piano is then also about uh, a, a woman with 
sort of a creative outlet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, this, just, this to, is just a... to just to tie these two together, who was then yeah, studied yeah. by the Moors and trappings and men of the day. Yeah, so so um, the piano. Uh, we should do a brief story about this. Is a the 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 synopsis says on IMDb is a mute woman and her daughter, uh, plus her prized piano, are sent to New Zealand in the 1850s to marry a wealthy landowner. I don't know if he's that wealthy, but he's not. Uh, she, she is lusted over by a local land worker, uh, which is interesting. They use the word plantation. I was like, I'm not sure that's correct either. Um, so yeah, so so she goes off. She she's a. Uh, I think are they in Ireland? Where is it? Where is she originally? Scotland. I think Scotland. Well, there's okay. there's a Glasgow stamp on the piano box. That's and right. Yes, yeah, so Scotland. That's correct. So she so she is married off. Uh, she's got her daughter played by um Jane, Anna Paquin with her, and I think it's not it's not said outright, but Anna Paquin's character sort of relays a story that she's from an unwed marriage. I'm not entirely sure. But the man has died, and then her father has married her off to this this man in New Zealand, played by Sam Neill. Um, yeah, Holly Hunter. Holly her, Hunter plays Ada. Her, her character, Ada, I yeah. think, had some sort of fling with, a, with some teacher fellow. Well, not it's, really, not, it's, it's, not, not, it's not really important, is the thing. Is that no, she, no, 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 she's, no, no. She's mute. She's been mute since she was six. Um, yes. And her father has now married her off to Sam Neill in New Zealand. <laughs> Sam Neill. So she tricks with piano and, and a pack one in tow. Yeah, and uh, Harvey Cattell is the, the the man that helps. Well, he lives on a property adjacent to Sam Neill's property. I think I'm not quite entirely sure their, their relationship. He helps him out a lot with the land stuff. So he's the one that's sort of working with the Māori. Um, yeah, he's, got, he's got a little bit of face tattoo. Um, he does. He has a little bit of moko, a little bit, on his, yeah. on his nose and his head and his forehead. His forehead. yeah. But he's a, he's an Irishman, isn't he? His his name is Baines. Oh, I have no idea actually where he's supposed to be from. Again, oh, um, I thought he was Irish. But anyway, no, also no. not important. He's a he's a. I mean, this is, the white folk in New Zealand at this time were all were all from foreign places, foreign. So yeah, Sam Neill is very much the sort of more stuck up, um, kind of guy, and Harvey Keitel yeah. is the guy who works with the natives to do stuff. Yeah, so so I mean, there are lots of things I want to talk about. So it's not, it's not my favorite film, uh, uh, but you know, hugely acclaimed. I mean, like how many awards did it win? A shitload of awards. Yes. It won the piano. It won um, best original screenplay, best actress for Holly Hunter, best supporting actress for Anna Paquin to get famous speech, uh, and was nominated for like best picture, best director, best cinematography, best editing, best costume. Um, so it's like a massive award winner. It won BAFTAs, it won actress, best actress, best costume, best production done, won like best actress at the Golden Globes, Palme d'Or at Cannes, lots of awards at the Australian Film Institute awards. So massively acclaimed. So this is a this was a, you know, a legit huge hit in the art art scene. The art yes. Scene. Yeah. Um, I I'd only seen it once previously. Right. So sort of rewatching it, especially rewatching it after an angel off the table, was quite. Um, different and yeah so the whole thing is is that holly hunter arrives on the crashing forbidden sort of shore of new zealand yeah. and her and anna pack and her daughter have to camp out overnight because there's no one there to meet them i'm surprised they didn't die of uh, pneumonia yeah. on that beach <laughs> so then sam neil her new husband rocks on up with um a bunch of maori and uh, Baines and Toe, 
to cart all of her stuff back up through the bush mm-hmm. to her new home, but they leave the piano on the beach. The piano. And is, is that pretty I'm sure I read somewhere that Jane Campion whole idea for the film came from just that image of a piano on the beach? Yeah, probably, yeah, no, I read that somewhere too, and, and yeah. it's a great image. It's a beautiful image. Yeah. It's really nice. So, and the piano is the way that Holly Hunter's mute character speaks. Yeah, and, and, and the, this is the yeah. crux of the film where Sam Neill's character clearly doesn't understand this. And she, Holly Hunter, you know, convinced Sam Neill goes off on a business trip one time, and then she goes next door to Harvey Cartel's Baines and, like, you know, I need you to come get me, help me get my piano off the beach. Yeah. And he's all like, no, 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 but eventually, you know, goes down and then spends a day with them while she plays the piano on the beach. And he realizes, understands that this is her way of communicating with the world, right? Like, that, that's 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 why her piano is so prized to her. It's how she... Yeah, so what he does is he takes the piano up to his place and... Um, <laughs> yeah, he takes it up but, there. Yeah, takes it up to his place and trades a bunch of land, which yeah, I don't believe, he, for, for, don't for believe he owns... For the piano, so he can come and get uh, Holly Hunter to play for him and earn the keys back by letting uh, him touch her and take her clothes off. That's and, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting that the land thing, if we just go back to that briefly. It's, I, I mean, it's. I think that Sam Neill's probably struggling as far as land ownership goes, even though... The yeah, synopsis talk- makes it sound like he's a wealthy landowner. I don't think he is. No, he keeps uh, talking about how poor he is. Yeah, exactly. I don't have any money. And also, I was a little confused by, you said that Harvey Cartel trades land he doesn't own. I'm not entirely sure about that. It's, it's well, very it's, unclear. I don't exactly yeah. understand what this, this land situation is. They, 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 they have a sit-down with um, some of the, the elders. Later on. The Maori yeah, rights, yeah. yeah. And they talk about the... Um, the burial caves and everything, and they're trying to, and Sam Neill's trying to trade blankets and such. Yeah, blankets and muskets. Oh, um, and they say no, so I kind of get the feeling that that was the land Harvey Cartel was trading. Not clear. I don't know. Unclear. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, but whatever. It's just one of those things was just like, oh, well, not. Yeah. It's obviously the storytellers don't really care about this aspect of the film, so it doesn't no. matter. Um, um, what kind of happens is that Harvey Keitel character is kind of a total creepo. Yeah, he is. It's. <laughs> I had like a, I had a few issues with this film. Um, I think, I think Harvey Keitel's character. Uh, well, I mean, this is this is sort of wearing off a little bit. I really reckon he would have worked better if he was a Maori character myself. Um, but I guess they were worried about. I mean, I don't know whether I don't know. I have no idea who what they were thinking right, when sorry. they were in the screenplay. But they probably worried that he was it would present him as being savage and then he's a Māori and he's savage because he's kind of like he's kind of like the polar opposite of Sam Neill's character right that's that's the idea is that he's sort of at one with the land well, and, one, and he can talk to the Māori folk and he's sort of more yeah they, well they kind of I guess the, the proper white folk think of him as, as having gone native yeah yeah he's gone native <laughs> yeah um whereas I guess if he was a Māori character then he may have that may have played into like the noble savage. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I guess Trump? that's the issue, that's the issue yeah. with, with making a Marty. I just felt like it might be more interesting. He might be a more interesting character. But I guess that's by the by. I mean, the Marty representation in this film, I have a massive issue with that if you want to get into that at all. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, no, we can definitely get into that. Um, I just, yeah. just, just to quickly talk about his character being a complete creepo, though. Um, yeah. 
Because uh, yeah, yes, definitely, yeah. So, yeah, buying uh, her voice, basically, and then trading it back to her for increasing sexual favours, which she doesn't really have any say in because yes. she can't talk. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird because she, I mean, she ends up liking him, right? <laughs> yeah, so, but, so the, what, so whilst watching it, I was thinking, oh man, why is this such a kind of romantic thing? Because he's a total creep. He is total creep. But then it kind of, after he gets kind of fed up with it, you know, he says, we've got to stop this because it's making it's you turning you it's into making a me a beast. Yeah. It's making me based or Richard or something. Yeah. Gives it gives her the piano back. Yeah, so um, he's redeemed. Yeah. So it kind of, and then she shows some, I guess, real feeling for him. But I was also thinking, it's kind of almost like a Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, I was just like, not really anyone else around. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's sort of by the by. But so it makes this Harvey Keitel's character who is kind of creep, um, and then is redeemed and becomes the not creep. good character. And yeah. Sam Neill's character who is um, sort of goodish, just it's not a- understanding, and then yeah, makes never- him into a complete beast. I read reading, reading reviews online and reading various readings of this film that that describe him as the polar opposite and stuck up and snobbish and elitist and 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 withdrawn. But I'm like, I, I don't know. Every turn he's trying to get affection from her. He just seems like typical 1850s European to me. Like he's. I wouldn't you know, say he's snobbish or anything. He just doesn't understand. He doesn't like when he's talking to the other two women and he's like, "Why would you <laughs> play the the table? It makes no yeah, sense." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just don't understand that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, because Holly Hunter's like, character has has carved keys into the table when when he's left the piano on the beach, so she wants to play music on the yeah. I mean, the uh, kitchen table has a real means, issue with that. It means she wants to play the fucking piano yeah. you left on the beach. You numpty. <laughs> yeah, he's like, there's something wrong with her. It's obviously she's got mental issues. Blah, blah blah blah. I'm like, ah, yeah, okay, sure, you weirdo. He just he just brought the piano up. Oh, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he never, he never struck me as bad. Like he just seemed like, oh, well, he's just the 1850s dude that doesn't understand this world. Well, he also got a bit creepy when he caught Harvey Keitel and Holly Hunter. Oh yeah, getting no, it I, on, and then just, just the, the, peeping the, Tom did. The last 45 minutes, like the the last, I don't know, half hour of the film, he just becomes a complete weirdo, and then he like cuts Holly Hunter's fingers off and shit. So it's just like, yeah, well, he goes what from peeping Tom to. Uh, Attempted rape yeah. to uh, cutting a finger off, and then yeah. further attempted rape, and then yeah. sort of get, it, get her, out of my get out of my sight, like you let's know, her go, of, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's an intriguing character, no doubt, but uh, yeah, just just like this film. Yeah, is there's some weird, interesting weird creepers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I guess the 1850s was full of weird creepers. I guess I guess our yep. standard of what a proper dude is now is is a lot different. I guess in the 1850s, a lot of guys would be like, yeah, you can cut a finger off. Sure, that seems fine. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about that, but the whole, <laughs> the whole marital rape thing would have certainly been looked at differently. But, yeah, um, well, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a rape. He's well no. within his rights. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's there's an interesting character dynamics going on. It's, it, uh, that's, I don't know, that, and that, um, I really, really enjoyed that, actually, this time around, is... You know, it's getting engaged before that, and that's what I felt I was missing from Angel. 
Yeah, no, the 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 characters are much more interesting, um, and there's no doubt that all the performances are brilliant. You know, like really good performances. I mean, that's why I won all the acting awards, I guess. Holly Hunter was. Whew. Yeah, incredible, incredible mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, they're not saying any words on screen. Yeah, I mean, I actually remember the first time I saw this, and like being, I don't know, I was I was, I was quite young, so I didn't quite know what was going on, but being like when I heard Holly Hunter later on in life, being all like, oh, she's. <laughs> American from the South? Full <laughs> 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 on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite, that, was quite, that was quite a revelation. So she, she's great in it. Yeah. Um, sort of the, the natives. Yeah, okay. So ah. the Māori representation, I mean, I'm, I guess being an ethnic minority is always stuff that I latch onto. So there's people that are going to be all like, well, you know, it's a film about the European folks. So that's what the focus of the story is. I'm like, yeah, sure. But anytime you have any sort of ethnic minority representation, it's always going to throw up issues. And this film has, oh man, it's fair share of issues with my representation. So uh, yeah. our friend Cliff Curtis is in the uh, the Māori party that helps with moving the piano yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, uh, I saw him in the background. I was like, is that Cliff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, gets, a yeah. Few, he gets a few lines in Māori later on as well when, when yeah. Baines gets the note from Manapak when he runs off. Uh, and then also, uh, also want to make mention of a, a, another New Zealand actor called Hori Ahipeni, I don't know whether you remember um, the Samisis, Andrew, on New Zealand television back in the day. Oh, my skits, gosh. Yeah. They played a, a Samoan family, and uh, this, this male actor, Hori Arepeni, Ahipeni, is a New Zealand actor, a Māori actor, uh, played this matriarch of the Samoan family in the Samisis, where he was always, like, That's making people right. with a gender. Because I, I, I saw him, because he was behind Sam Neill. Like, he's, he's like, Sam, Sam, beaches, like, yeah, yeah, with Sam Neill first arrives. Like, I know that, that guy. guy. Yes. So people that may be listening from overseas, there's a New Zealand actor that was in a silly comedy made in Wellington about Samoan family, and he played a very stereotypical Samoan woman. Uh, I was reading essays about him. It's interesting, an interesting era of New Zealand television history, but but that's beside the point. But that was quite funny, a funny moment for me. But anyway, that. yeah, so I, 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 aside from the, you know, actors which saying, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, the... the, 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 the 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 Māori characters are essentially background characters. They're they're maids and servants and uh, and and, and the the hired hands to lift heavy things, um, which I guess is what they would have been to Europeans. So I guess that's the issue. But it's just the way that it's done. Like you know, when when they have a they have a moment of rest while while traversing the bush uh, from the beach to Sam Neill's property, and these two there's two Māori maids, the older ladies, and they're sort of playing with Holly Hunter's veil. They're taking it off her and yeah. giggling, and I was just like, oh, that's that's not cool, man. I don't. Maybe that was the case, but it just—it's a very—it's a huge amount of colonial gaze going on. Uh, well, and, then, and then when they sort of just apparently break into Sam Neill's place and start smashing about on the piano. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all this stuff. They're, they're, they're described as sort of happy-go-lunky and simple-minded. There's, a, there's a. I found a quote from this. Yeah, they, they, they come across as very simple-minded. Yeah, for sure, That's, definitely. Think, yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, and may, maybe maybe they're because the guys that are in the film are younger. Maybe the older people seem more refined. The older Maori characters, but you know, beside the point. I found this um, academic called uh, Leonie Pihana, um, Pihi, sorry, Pihama. Uh, she's a, a Maori academic here in New Zealand, and uh, she wrote an essay called "Are Films Dangerous: A Maori Woman's Perspective on the Piano," which I thought oh. summed up my feelings of it. I mean, she said the Maori people are firmly in the colonial gaze. They're seen as happy-go-lucky natives. And the female Māori are sexualised and available to uh, Pākehā men. It's that one scene where Harvey Cartel is down doing the laundry at the river's edge. And sort of the woman is sort of eyeing him up. Um, 
and the natives that are sort of described as, uh, as, as naive, simple-minded, uh, lacking reason and active, acting impulsively, and they're firmly in the background. Yeah. So, so that was that was my, my my thing with it, you know. And um, even like that scene where they're first getting the um the the the, the luggage on the beach, leaving the piano behind, they're they're all sort of running around and acting like children, sort of acting like acting the fool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and they have then, to have the, the white coat to well, they have to have the Harvey Keitel white give them orders. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, running uh, herd on them. And 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 it's weird because I, I don't want to be so critical of this film in that respect because I don't know whether I don't know whether I'd go so far as to call um, anyone involved in the making of this movie was racist, especially because like Tim Morrison was, you know, he was on board as as the language and cultural advisor. Uh, so there's 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 this, you know, and if you watch the credits, there are, there are plenty of Maori folk in the credits and stuff. It's just it's it's just problematic, you know. And I don't know, uh, I guess I'm no expert, but watching it for my gaze, it just seems. Mm. Uh, and there's there's one scene in particular, the scene during the the crazy uh, the reverend uh, church sequence where they the kids are staging a play. Oh, they're putting on the play, yeah. and the, the yeah. Maori think it's real and charge the stage. That's right. Yeah. So the reverend is played yeah. by um, Ian Mune, and uh, he's got this thing where I, I think they're doing Henry the Eighth or something, and they've got a. Oh, uh, it's Bluebeard. Oh, it's Bluebeard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've, yeah, got a whole, they've got a whole bunch of heads hung in the curtains as if they're uh, cut-off heads. They've got red paint. And then they've got um, a shadow puppet where a man is going to cut off another woman's head uh, with yeah. a sword. And he's about to strike. And the Maori warriors at the back get up and jump up and, you know, and uh, think it's all real and charge a stage. And, you know, and, and I'm guessing maybe this is a thing that happened. But, but it's not like Maori people didn't have their own... Uh, artistic re- interpretations of things like they weren't completely simple-minded in that way so that that's, that was a scene that was just like e- even if it is true what are you saying with the scene why is it in the film you know what well that's that's the thing i don't like you have the start of that scene where harvey kaitapo comes in and sits kind of next to uh holly hunter but then gets up and leaves because um yeah of the whole you know the whole thing with Sam Neill and gets annoyed with, with yeah. that. Yeah. And so you need that part of the scene. But then the Māori charging the stage, I don't quite understand what it what it adds, really. No, I, I mean, that's that's the issue here. Like, it's like it's fine to have that sort of stuff in there, but, but I mean, not really. I mean, why, why is it there? I mean, and it's funny because, uh, you know, a, film, yeah, a filmmaker I'm like... I'm not sure what the sort of larger point of that is in the film. Um, um, so, so I guess yes. Yeah, so the the, the Maori representation is, is an issue. So I think we've covered that as much as I can. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just not too sure what uh, it sort of adds, aside from poor representation of Maori, really. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So after the piano, it was a, a portrait of a lady, which is like a, a period piece with Nicole Kidman and John Malkovich, uh, and then Holy Smoke in 1999 with Kate Winslet and uh, Harvey Keitel again. Which Kate Winslet is completely and utterly naked. I was found that on the internet. That's what I do on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, uh, you're thumping the table. Yeah, I think you're thumping the uh, table there. Picking up a lot oh, of. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'll stop. I wasn't, but okay. Yes. You're, you're hammering. You're hammering your points. Yeah. Far too enthusiastically. Um, so there was a uh, in the cut with Meg Ryan and uh, the amazing Mark Ruffalo. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Two thousand three. Uh, and then Bright Star in 2009 uh, about uh, another sort of author, about John Keats and Fanny Braun. And then uh, and then it was Top of the Lake, which was uh, 2013, uh, which was a great miniseries. I really enjoyed that a lot. 
And was that it was uh, was it after Chopper Eight when she was on the car and uh, jury? Or was that pre... Oh, well, I think she's been on the car jury a lot. Um, as to being the head of it. Yeah, she was the right. head at one point, wasn't she? I can't remember which, yeah. which one that was. But yeah, yeah, one of them at some point. She's, you know, very well, very well regarded. Uh, and, you know, we got, we, I don't know whether you were there. She, she, did a, she did a talk in Wellington, New Zealand. I went to it. She was great. She was a really interesting uh, filmmaker. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, very interesting filmmaker and uh, sort of exploring quite a lot to do, I guess, uh, from a... Female perspective, yeah, 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 yeah. a lot of, which is, a lot of the stories and a lot of the, a lot of those. Th- yeah, which, which we really need. I mean, there's, there's there's a definite lack of representation, so that's always good. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting that um, I wanted to make a point about Jeff Murphy. Like, uh, he 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 sort of derided. Yeah. There was a there was a list of top 100 films recently a few years back that New Zealanders voted on, uh, and he was all like, you know, a lot of his films are in the top 10, probably arguably for good reason. Uh, and the piano was up there, and he was kind of like he was real down on the piano, which I thought was a bit like the piano is not my favorite film, but I understand that it's 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 good, and a lot of people like it. But he was all like, he he thought it was a very cynical um, grab for um, award bait, really, is what he he described it as like a cynical move towards winning awards. He he had much nicer things to say about an angel at my table, which is me and him obviously disagree in that respect. But I thought that was it was weird and interesting. <laughs> he was like, that's not a good film. No, I mean I I guess I could. Uh, perhaps see an argument for whether it's strictly a New Zealand film or not. If, then, then that's where we get into the issues of what's a New Zealand mm. film. It's set in New Zealand. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. not necessarily. Well, it's kind of telling a New Zealand story. Yeah, but, but I don't think he had an issue with that. I just think he didn't like the film. No, this is. I, I, I don't think it's an awards bait sort of film at all. But I mean, this <laughs> is. I could. If you're talking about the top New Zealand films, then I guess you. I could see. I could see an argument as to whether it's a New Zealand film, but then that's kind of then what do we consider a New yeah, Zealand yeah. film? Are the Lord of the Rings films <laughs> a New Zealand, New Zealand film? film. Yeah. They're made in New yeah, Zealand. Sure they are. They're New Zealand uh, films. With, with, with a large uh, New Zealand crew, <laughs> New Zealand director. New Zealand tax money. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so do they, does it have to be a New Zealand story? I mean, what if it's a New Zealand director and cast? Yeah, well, th- these are. These are things that we're going to discuss in our second and third series of this podcast, so we'll get into that at some point, hopefully. Um, but uh, we should we should end on a on a on a tale from our childhood. This one involves you as well, Andrew. <laughs> uh, well, yes. So we we went to school with uh, we did. Anna Both of us she went to primary was, school and intermediate with the esteemed Anna Paquin, who won an Oscar for this. While she was yeah, while she was filming this. Um, God and just were we ever so small and so yeah, yeah, dumb? Yeah, I was watching it back. I was like, because because I was I um I was homesick one day, and when you're homesick in New Zealand, at, I think midday they play um, Entertainment Weekly for whatever reason on New Zealand television, uh, and I remember seeing Anna Pack when I was ten years old. I saw Anna Pack when on Entertainment Weekly, yelling, "We can't leave the piano!" and doing cartwheels on the beach, and going back. I yeah, went back to school when I was well, and I went to Anna, and I was like, "Hey, you in a movie?" And she's like, "Shh, don't tell anyone." I was like, "Okay." So that was really what? weird. Uh, well, yeah, because she she just kind of took off from class, and we all kind of she was gone for a few months. Was like, "Oh, I think she went on holiday or something." She's, Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So that that's. And I just think I yeah I distinctly remember coming home from intermediate in the afternoon, plopping down in front of the TV. I think with like a bag of chips. <laughs> 
bag of twisties or something probably um, flicking on the TV and there was the Oscars and then there was Anna That's Payton, right, yeah. uh winning and accepting her award for Best Supporting Actress. We media, actually because she filmed it when we were in primary school but I remember my mum, yeah. we're getting into personal stories here, my mum racing me home saying, oh, Anna Paquin's kind of, is, on the, is on the Oscars. I was like, oh, okay, we'll go watch, go watch that. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's our, that's our personal story for today. We haven't taken up too much of your time. That's our, con- that's our connection to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're in, Rajiv, we're in. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I think I think we're good. Is that, is that we've discussed this for like quite a long time? I think we'll wrap it up there. I think it's we've probably yeah, run over um, our time, but it's they're both – very uh, interesting and intriguing films, and Jane Campion, I think, is a very interesting filmmaker to talk about. Yeah. Angel at My Table, I think, is not, not a winner for either of us. No, but it, it obviously launched her. It helped her. It, it got her noticed, and people to what, make stuff, and then she... Well, I mean, yeah, and, and things before that, and then from then the piano, and then onwards, sort of ever, ever onwards from yeah. there. Cool. Um, you can you can uh, you can find me on the Twitter at uh, Rajiv Film R A J E E V F I L M, uh, and you can find me on the Twitter at Andy James underscore Inc. and it's Inc with a K. Um, I think I'm on the Instagram under that as well. It might be Andy James dot Inc. Is that a new? Is that new, Andrew? You're on Instagram now. Yes, I'm across all social media now. Well. Oh, well done. Twitter and Instagram. Well, you keep promoting this this podcast. Thanks, thanks for all, all your listeners. Uh, share and like and do all your things. Yeah, uh, depending on what films I'm able to legally get a hold of uh, Ooh, in the yeah. Cayman Islands. This might be our last episode for this season, but we'll be back uh, in a little bit for the second season. We will. Um, we'll see how it goes. Exactly. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we really appreciate any feedback, any um, sharing and all that sort of jazz you do with a podcast. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Catch you guys around. See you. Cheerio.